The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. It's me, Andrew Lenz from the future, telling you that your dream is going to come true. What? No way! Yeah, you're going to have an awesome podcast called Let's Talk But No Politics, okay? And new episodes come out every Sunday on... Welcome to Retro Pop. Oh, that's right. Retro Pop has entered the building. And I am your host. I am uh, the hip swiveling Johnny Townsend. I'm joined by, uh, freshly off his appearance uh, from the Ed Sullivan Show, Matt Johnson. Hello. (laughs) Uh, We are... Excited to bring you today the story of a, a true legend, honestly, true legend, an icon. Actually, I would go. I'd say he's past legend into icon status. Uh, you know, he's been on everything from uh, lunchboxes to stamps. Uh, we're talking about the honky tonk man. Oh, the honky tonk oh, man. That's right. You told me the wrong person this week. I came in. I was ready to sing Pink Cadillac. And you just you lied to me. You lied well, we to me. all know. I mean, it's 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 established fact that you know uh, Elvis based all of his shtick off of the honky tonk man. I Everyone so. knows this. Yeah, I'm just a honky tonk man. It's a honky tonk man. <laughs> just a honky tonk man. Yeah, yeah. In, no, fact, this- uh, in fact, there's rumors for years that honky tonk man died years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Man, that's still one of my favorite things that Elvis never died. Yeah, so. isn't it cool? Like before, before Tupac, before yeah. Biggie, there was, was Elvis. Elvis. I was really happy when you chose this episode, dude. Because um, I, I, it's not that I never thought we would ever talk about Elvis, but it was never one of those ones where I was like, oh, I'm going to do a podcast episode and talk about Elvis Presley. That thought never crossed my mind. Yeah, I don't think. People, because even by the time uh, I was old enough to start getting into music and stuff, obviously I'd heard because I mean we'll get into it in our personal history and yeah. stuff. I knew who he was, but mainstream wise, you know, it's almost as if people had sort of unless it was like an anniversary or something dealing with him, people had sort of uh, definitely moved past, right? Correct. Uh, but it cannot be. Uh, understated just how uh and i'll use a wrestling term here over this guy was at one point uh, i mean uh, you can take uh definitely up there on par if not uh surpassed i would say with the beatles of just people going absolutely insane over him yes and i i, I want to like in in my heart i want i want i believe that he you know, along with the beat, well, he he got kind of got his musical start in the fifties, right? Yes, he yeah. kind of, yeah he got his musical start in the fifties. He was the birth of modern. I think we're as far as music being as mainstream as it is, like just cultural, like it just just big, bigger than life. You know, everything that he did, you know, the way he dressed, the way he talked, the way he carried himself, everything. Um, it, the way it just he made like me like i feel like a lot of entertainment mediums that we had were you know were just kind of blah like you know back in the 19 early 1900s right movies ugh, they were there but they weren't this massive thing that we right, all yeah. like just put on a pedestal and we just we lived and died for you know people weren't like oh my god the new conway twitty album just dropped y'all <laughs> you know people weren't like that back in the day but i feel like elvis was um you know, Elvis was one of the originators 
of making music concerts, you know, popular popularizing music on the radio uh, and, and, you know, really pushing his genre of music of, of rock and, you know, rock and roll. And especially of appealing to younger, uh, younger audiences, right? Like, uh, you know, teenagers uh, into young adults, uh, really getting them into music for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, everybody. It was, it was music for everybody. Yeah. There's, there's no uh, denying it. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about this aspect of it. So let's go ahead and get into it. Our personal histories with Elvis Presley. And now, ladies and gentlemen, yes, that's right, Elvis Presley. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, could I have your attention, please? Uh, I'd like to tell you that we're going to do a sad song for you. This song here is one of the saddest songs we've ever heard. It really tells a story, friends. Beautiful lyrics. It goes something like this. Doing research for this was a lot of fun. I had my mom help me with this a lot. She grew up and still is a big Elvis fan. Uh, so that's how I was aware of him. In fact, when just a couple, just like last year, I I got, uh, you know, a record player that plays uh, records, you know, 45s and stuff. And I was very excited because she had a couple Elvis ones. And they just sound great on there, by the way. Uh, but it's... He has because my mom loves him and my uncle loves him. Uh, he's always been like an aspect of me when it comes to music. I adore music. I wish I was good at music. Like that's how much I love music. I'm just yeah. not talented in it. I try anyway. I can't. Yeah. Uh, so it makes me really sad because I love it so much and I want to be. Uh, but man, just uh, I guarantee you, if it was. If it wasn't Reba McIntyre, it was Elvis. It was one of the it had to be one of the first things ever because that's that's my mom's one and two right there, right? And I will have to do a Reba McIntyre one time on this show for uh, sure, just for her. And um, but uh, Elvis, Elvis is one of those where when I was younger, I was like, hey, I mean, obviously he can sing. You you hear Elvis? There's no way you can say the dude can't sing, right? Like it's it's obvious his talent. But when I was younger, I was like, I'm just not into this, right? Like, it's just not for me. But the older I got, the more I was like, you know what? This dude's good. Uh, and I really started digging his stuff the older that I got. And it's the same way with the Beatles, oddly enough. I didn't like the Beatles when I was younger. Older I got, freaking love them now. Same, same absolutely. thing with Same thing with Elvis. Uh, when I was younger, I was like, he's all right. Uh, but now that I've, I've gotten older, man, I will search out Elvis songs every once in a while and just listen to them because – He's got this very soothing voice to me, uh, but it's also distinct at the same time. When you hear Elvis, you know it's Elvis, even if you don't know the song. And you hear somebody singing, oh, that's Elvis. And his life is incredible, fascinating. I've watched plenty of uh, HBO has a really good two-part documentary on him that I really do recommend. Search it out. Uh, they're bringing out a movie soon about elvis that has tom hanks and he doesn't look like tom hanks by the way tom no, hanks playing doesn't. colonel parker uh but i'm very excited to see if that's going to be any good i hope it is um i grew up watching elvis movies uh so uh, i got favorite elvis movies and i we have to talk about that matt uh the he <laughs> um he did one where uh, i remember this because we had it on uh, not on it was on VHS, but it's because we taped it off the TV. Uh, uh, but it's the one where he's like a, a race car driver. Oh my god, yeah, I can't remember the name of it for whatever reason, but I wore that tape out because I love that movie so much and I really want to watch it again, so I have to look it up. Uh, but so I really truly grew up with Elvis being kind of all around and uh, 
and now that I've gotten older, I really truly appreciate it, and I'm very happy, and I feel lucky that I was because if you love music, then there's no way you can at least uh, not talk about the impact that he had on music and pop culture. What about you, Matt? Agreed. I think our childhoods were largely similar in that regard. My mom had a you know just incredible passion for. Elvis, as, as you know, m- many people who grew up in that era, I think y- young women, just, just people who appreciated music um, I did in that era. My uncle was a super fan. I told you before we went on air that he said that he's seen uh, Elvis in concert once, uh, once or twice, if I'm not mistaken, so which cool. is so yeah. cool that I have that like connection that he got to go see it. Um, but it was everything, right? Uh, the, the music, we had all the C- you know CDs. My mom had old records uh, of of Elvis, you know, to lying around that we listened to, and you know, we we talked about how you know back in December how much we loved Christmas music. Elvis has a pretty significant part in Christ- the history of Christmas music. Oh, he he's got Christmas some albums awesome Christmas are albums. top of the line. They're yes, so good. agreed. Yes, and he, he you know a lot of his Christmas albums are some of the ones that I first go you know I first look to once Christmas time rolls around. Um. You know, he just, like we were talking about in the previous segment, he just, he was larger than life and he, he made himself larger than life. The, 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 the suits, right. The, the, the awesome suits dialed up, bedazzled, jeweled suits with every, you know what I mean? That that's, that's stuff that transcends and we'll get in that later on, but you know, that was a big thing at that yeah, time. Style. It was yeah. style. You weren't, when you went to go see Elvis play music, you weren't, just going to listen to his music. It was an experience. It was special. And, you know, Even his appearances on TV were that. Oh, yeah. I have a couple pretty incredible stats about his uh, TV impar- uh, appearances when we get to that. But it was it was special. He didn't. So like the way I see a lot of, you know, actors, actors, TV personalities, people will like whore themselves out so to speak so yeah the value of seeing them isn't as special like yeah it was an event correct i I will compare dwayne the rock johnson to it he averages like six to seven new movies a year so seeing a (laughs) dwayne the rock johnson movie isn't as special as seeing one once a year his appearances on tv very sporadic uh every now and then and it was a major thing a major view get and it was special um you know less is more less is more the movie thing too like he he legit did everything he's one of these cross entertainment medium superstars that you know that were maybe a little ahead of their time you know um maybe a little ahead of their time oh you know what i I honestly now i think about it back in that time is a little more commonplace for singers to, to do movies that involve music and stuff, but yeah, a little bit, but he definitely took that and ran with it. Though, oh, for compared, sure. Compared to other ones. Um, uh, and also I was wondering if you agree with this, he sort of like bridged that gap between the, you know, the old style crooners that we used to have that were really popular into rock and roll. He kind of was that gap there uh, that and he really, and I think it really helped him to get as popular as he was. And we'll get into a lot of his influences when I get into his history, but uh, you know, the, just the influence that he just had and still has today on movies and music. I mean, it, the fact that I would definitely say he was a double threat of both of those. For sure. And you know, a lot of, and in his early movies, you can definitely tell he's trying to learn how to act, but he, he improves and he gets better. He's and, uh, he was a, he ended up, he was a, a natural, like I, Oh yeah. I, I enjoyed watching his a, movies as a kid. He has a natural presence about him in, in either on stage or in a movie. Like yeah. you just can't, you just can't help, but want to see what he's going to do. Right. For sure. Yeah. It's Elvis has been, been at everything. I mean, hey, listen, how many other people, how many other like actors have, uh, have, have impersonators that are, are the, or the impersonators yeah. are almost as famous as the, the idea that the impersonators are there are, you know, they're just almost as famous as, as Elvis Presley himself. That, that's their full-time job is to, is to pretend to be Elvis. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's crazy. I think that's what led to a lot of belief about, you know, maybe him still being alive, but 
Yeah. So Elvis, I have another little funny thing too. Elvis. So my mom is very difficult to buy gifts for very, very difficult. Um, despite her saying that she isn't. Uh, <laughs> That's how you know somebody is, by the way. Oh, no, I'm not difficult. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's 100% true. So when I couldn't think of stuff to buy her, I would just play, oh, Elvis season. I just find like something Elvis related, just buy a bunch of Elvis stuff. And it got to the point where my, she told my dad to tell me to stop buying her Elvis stuff because it was <laughs> too much. <laughs> but it was it was it was a cop-out gift and it was but it was yeah. so easy because i mean there's a lot of cool elvis memorabilia whether it be books um you know there's there's there's, there's, there's tra- action there's figures trading, yeah action yeah. figures there's trading cards at one time i remember those for sure i yeah. definitely had some of those i wish i still had them but yeah I don't, sadly. dude absolute merchandise monster i got i found my mom one year a really cool uh christmas you know i found my mom a really cool christmas gift it was a uh there's a guitar and you push the button and it'll play it'll play one of Elvis's Christmas songs on it or a couple like, oh, just the chorus part. Yeah. So, you know, it, larger than life. Just um yeah, he just encapsulated a whole generation of people and man, I'm really excited to learn a little bit about a little bit more about Mr. Presley uh in this episode. Well, let's do this. Let's get into the history of Elvis Presley. Aaron Presley. Uh, his middle name is spelled two different ways, by the way. When he was born, it was A R O N, uh, but he would later change it to the more uh, known double A R O N. Born in Tupelo, Mississippi, January 8th, 1935. By the way, one of the things that really fascinated me with doing this research is as I was researching this, uh, my mom was just rattling off all these facts. Right, like she knew exactly when he was born, where he was born, all these things. Um, so uh, it's pretty wild how that, like, that just reminded me of the things I was nerdy about, right? Yeah, like I, can, I can tell you anything about a ninja turtle, about the ninja turtles, right? Right, uh, yeah, you know, when they were born, all that, it, oh, it, it's, it's like, when, they <laughs> when they were born, all that, so their yeah. blood type, probably. Yeah, I know That's... what pet shop they came from, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, his parents were Gladys and Vernon Presley. They were very hardworking people, uh, but they were really poor and they moved around a lot. Uh, but he was actually very close with his parents, especially his mom. She was a major, major, major influence on his life. And um, I mean, even down to, of course, uh, you know, if your parents attended church, guess what? You attended church mm-hmm. and that's what he did. Uh, he attended the assembly of uh, a, a church called the assembly of God. And it's there where he found and fell in love with gospel music. Uh, later on in his career, he would actually put out gospel albums and stuff. Yeah. Uh, that, that was a, I mean, that was a big kickstart to his in, entire career, but he never, like he never veered away from those not. roots, which was, you know, really cool. In fact, he would, in fact, he would push to have a lot of those songs on things. Right. Uh, and a lot of it was because his mom, his mom would say, uh, you know, like on the Ed Sullivan show, he actually does a, one of those on there. And famously it's because his mom was like, uh, Hey, I want you to sing one of those songs on there. And yeah. you know what? Mama wants it. Mama gets it. <laughs> right. And I mean, uh, in gospel music didn't sell, you know, quite as, right. as largely as rock and roll would at that time. So I, I think it's really cool that, you know, he was one of those pure souls who still did that. Yeah. And, uh, of course, later on, he would be influenced by their music, too. Um, you know, the more blues and, and rock and roll stuff would definitely come into his influence. Uh, on his 11th birthday, his mom actually gave him his first guitar, and it was just all over after that. Uh, in fact, uh, he was almost a natural talent. I mean, obviously, he could sing, uh, but he would even go on to to just you know even like in high school he won his talent show right 
Uh, so that's just how we just naturally, the dude was just naturally talented. Uh, in 1953, after he graduates, he actually kind of, uh, he's wanting to pr- uh, pursue music, but he has a lot of like, uh, you know, just a number of jobs that he's doing during this time, uh, you know, to sort of make ends meet. Uh, but he really, really has this dream of pursuing music. It's what he, that's his passion. That's his love. And this is where we're going to enter the very, very famous Sun Studios. Uh, this place, by the way, in itself probably deserves an episode. I would, just, I would agree. Just for the sheer fact, I don't know if you've ever actually seen the, the place map. Uh, but it's like it's such a small building <laughs> it's so small it's going to blow your mind that how big the names that came out of it were uh, i mean obviously elvis we're about to talk about a previous uh, uh subject johnny cash has a lot to do with sun studios and there's other big names that came from there and yeah it's pretty wild to think about it but back then what they would do is uh even if you were a nobody like you didn't have any name recognition uh, if you had some money, you can go in there and make a record. They would they would press a record for you. And that's what he did. Uh, Sam Phillips kind of ran Sun Studio. It was his his baby, so to speak. And Elvis uh, goes in there and, and cuts his first demo record. And it, it was almost like a life-changing moment, right? When you discover someone who has that kind of talent. And that's kind of how Sam Phillips described it. He goes, obviously... This, as soon as he starts singing, you go, whoa, something's, something's here. There's something here. And it, and it probably helps that he's a good-looking guy, right? Oh, it definitely helps. Hey, good face sells, you know, good faces sell concerts. <laughs> yeah. Good voice sells radio and, and albums. Good face sells concerts. So Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know what any of that's like. <laughs> uh, Stop that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I got the voice for being muted. Uh, in 1954. <laughs> Uh, Elvis would actually release his first single that's called uh, That's All Right. Uh, when you land all right, mama, that song right there, I guarantee you've heard it. Uh, but it was, uh, so this time he starts going around, he actually starts getting gigs, touring and stuff like that. Uh, slowly at first, making a slow following. Uh, and he has a manager, Colonel Tom Parker, who also honestly probably can have his own show. <laughs> This guy is fascinating, by the way. I don't know if you know anything about this dude, but he is a character and kind of a villain at times. So, yeah, uh, a very much a uh, man. Uh, I think he would be a great subject for a future episode. Uh, by 1955, Elvis is touring and pursuing uh, music uh, full time. That's become his, his main thing. And he finally gets a number one hit and that uh being heartbreak hotel guaranteed there's not a person who has never heard this song uh heart, unless you're like what like a, a child <laughs> and your parents just haven't played it for you yet right uh, so heartbreak hotel will be released it would become a number one hit and so would the album that it would be a part of both become number ones and he signs with RCA, which was a big record company at this time. It was just hit after hit, really. After that one, I mean, yeah. he was—he had, you know, saw, you know, good, decent songs, whatever. But once Heartbreak Hotel, there was this—the sky was the limit. Beyond yeah. that was the limit for him. Yeah, and he especially started catching on with young people. Uh, Nineteen fifty-six comes around, and he's huge. He's really, really over by now. But he's also become divisive uh, with the older generations, as they say. And this happens with just about any. Isn't that funny? That that generation hated the rock era, the like rock and roll, like Led Zeppelin era. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is a true story. My grandpa, uh, who is my namesake, who I love dearly and miss every day. But uh, when he was alive, you know, I grew up. In the church that I grew up in was because that's the church he always went to, right? And I still remember when the worship team uh, at the church introduced had the gall <laughs> to introduce a uh, drum set for one of the songs, and he walked out. <laughs> he literally got up and walked out. So, uh, <laughs> uh, 
Oh man, that's, inc- that's incredible. It was really, it was really <laughs> funny. I know he was uh, he was sticking to his guns, uh, but that kind of tells you here what this is. A lot of the old uh, parents of these younger people, especially, thought he was not a good influence uh, on their children. Uh, which Matt, I don't know if you remember this, but I remember the same thing happening when like Eminem got huge, right? Uh, oh yeah, because he was getting huge right when I was in high school, and I definitely remember. Uh, my mom being like, I don't want you getting any Eminem albums, right? Eminem, uh, yeah, I got in trouble for that one. Eminem, uh, I was oh. lame, man. I went to Walmart and got the censored version. Did you? Uh, I, I had sure a, did. I had a, I befriended a kid across the street who was way older than me, and he used to burn CDs. And that's, uh, oh, I just admitted to piracy a little bit. He didn't sell it to me, but uh, no. If he, you didn't, have, if you didn't have a burn CD. And you grew up as a person who grew up in the late nineties, early two thousands. I don't know if you were alive. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, I he gave me the three, and I was like, it, but I couldn't play them out loud because my parents would have beat my ass. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. respectfully, they not not out of not out of anger, but out of discipline. Um, spatula, yeah. belt. <laughs> my parents would have. Uh, my parents never ever had to hit me. All they had to say was, "I'm disappointed," and my poor little heart would break. <laughs> You're such a good. You're too good for this world. I don't know why I was like that. Oh man, (laughs) stories I could tell. Um, So, uh, so he's getting really over by this time. Uh, He's loved and hated both, which happens to anybody who gets huge, right? Right. Uh, You can't become a a number one in anything without having a lot of hate come along with it. That's just kind of part of it. I mean, me and Matt deal with a lot of hate on Retro Pop. Just other podcasts coming at us all the time. Uh, we get it. You know, we're number one. We understand. You know? uh, <laughs> we, we, we get poo-poo done often. Oh, man. Oh, just diarrhea right in the face. Uh, and this is when he would start uh, making TV appearances. And, and he would sign a movie contract with Paramount. This would be good and bad for him. Uh, good because it would lead to some, honestly, some really fun movies. But also bad because he couldn't get out of any of it. Uh, his contracts would be pretty. This is also because of uh, Colonel Parker too. He would be made to make albums and movies that he didn't want to do, and but he would have to do them. So that was kind of a part of his stuff. He would get really depressed about that because uh, Matt, you know this as an, a cre- creative person, um, it can really bog you down if uh, you're being made to create stuff that your heart's not in it yeah um yeah i can very very much relate to that and uh it, it may it certainly makes things worse uh it, it really does it really does yeah so 1956 comes around and the first movie love me tender was released and was a box office hit uh, I'm sure we'll get to a lot of more about his movie stuff and Matt's stats. I hope so, unless I just set him up to fail. Sorry, man, if I did that. <laughs> no, I'm out of you. I actually, okay. I actually have those ready. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, but I'll just say it was a hit. A lot of his movies were hits. Uh, they did very well, and they would help. And the soundtracks would also do well from those movies. Uh, but he's also one of those. Like in the 1957, Elvis gets drafted into the army. And he could have easily gotten out of that, right? He's a, yeah. he's already a name. He could have easily gotten out of that, but he felt that it was his actual duty. Like he literally said, I'm going to do this because it's my duty. I was drafted and goes to Germany for a year and a half in 1957. And that was um, a bit, that was a big deal back then because yes. Uh, I remember, if you don't mind me interjecting a little bit here. No, please do. Um, you know, I remember at this time, rock and roll was really starting to take off. And a lot of people thought it was a conspiracy effort. Uh, I, at my music class in eighth grade, we talked about this this decade. But, you know, in the 50s, you have, uh, uh, I think it's is it Chuck Berry. He died in a plane crash, I think, in the late 50s. I'm almost positive it's him. But there was a lot of bad things happening to rock and roll artists. And there's some, like, I mean, there's conspiracy theories for everything. But some people were saying that it was they were trying to stop rock and roll from growing in popularity because, um, you know, it was it was 
it was bad for the for future, you know, the youth of America. This is legitimately a thing that they talked about. But Elvis getting shipped over to uh, to Korea was a huge deal. Um, and, and, you know, amongst everything else that went on, uh, very turbulent, you know, the fifties and into the sixties were very turbulent decades for not just rock and roll music, but American culture in general. Uh, yeah. but yeah, him, him going over there was, was a, was a slight hit on that generation of rock and roll, a slight hit, but yeah. there was, there was and, a lot of bad and, stuff going on. And rock and roll has a lot of roots in, in the blues and a lot of African-American music too. So yes. there's probably less, just like a. Uh, some bit of racism there too, especially with the uh, middle-class white America as there's always going to be sadly, but uh, you know, Elvis was obviously heavily influenced by that type of music as well. Uh, but you know, uh, he's in Germany and it's during this time that a, a couple of pretty big events besides just being in Germany uh, in the army, uh, uh, his mom, who was really close to would pass away during this time. And that really affected him. And he would also meet Priscilla. Uh, I'm going to try my best to pronounce her actual real last name before she becomes Presley. Spoiler alert. Uh, Priscilla. Uh, <laughs> uh, Nailed it. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's perfect. Uh, they would get married in 1967 <laughs> later, but this is when he would meet her. Uh, she was a teenager when they met, by the way, uh, Kind of scandalous. scandalous. It is. That's a word, right? It was more scandalous. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely more so commonplace back in that day than it is. Obviously now it's a big no, no, and it it deservedly should have been, but, um, but yeah, it was a lot more common thinking and okay in that regard back then. Yeah. Uh, So 1960 comes around and he's done with the army. He was in the army for about a year and a half, maybe a little over a year and a half. Uh, and he comes back to get his track, uh, get back on track with his career. You know, um, nobody really wanted him to go into the army. Uh, you know, uh, Colonel Parker being number one amongst those, he didn't want him to do that. But as soon as he gets back, it's almost as if he didn't miss a beat, right? He continues music and acting. And, you know, some of his more famous movies come out during this time. Uh, Blue Hawaii came out in 1961 girls 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 comes out in 62 (laughs) and uh probably one of his most famous ones viva las vegas in 64 uh none of those are ones that i like i i mean they're fine but i'm a big fan of the race car one i talked about before and uh, joe house rock i really kind of like all these would prove very profitable and the soundtracks would sell really well and if you're going to make money guess what they're going to want you to keep doing it uh so he did a lot of movies and i'm sure matt's going to touch on that oh yeah, yeah uh by the late but it's by the late 60s he's obviously starting to lose some steam uh you know he's he's getting burned out himself uh he's starting to do a lot of stuff he didn't want to do um and you can tell uh you know uh but uh you know but by 1968 though he records the 1968 comeback special, uh, which is actually really good, by the way. You can find it pretty easily. And it was a big hit on TV. And all of a sudden, Elvis is back, just like that. It was also during this time uh, in 1968. We're going to go over really quick some bullet points here. Uh, his daughter, Lisa Marie, was born in 68. Uh, he divorced his wife in 73. And, of course, we can't talk about Elvis uh, you know, just like with Johnny Cash, without talking about his drug issues. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's um, a huge part of his life. Um, uh, and as a lot of uh, your entertainers and musicians during this era that definitely dealt with this stuff, and he was not immune to it, uh, especially prescription type stuff was apparently one of his biggest things yeah and you're all this you can it's easily accessible that sort of thing oh yeah it makes it even worse as famous as he was he could whatever he wanted he could easily get yeah that's just how it is uh and that is not always a good thing 1977 in indianapolis indiana he actually performs his what would become his last concert before going home to Graceland. And we'll talk about Graceland here in the Did You Notice. Uh, but sadly, on the morning of August 16th, 1977, at just 42 years old, 
Elvis Presley would pass away uh, very famously. Uh, a lot of people like to joke it's because he was found on his toilet, uh, that type of thing. But uh, he, his heart basically gave out, and they think it was it was ruled as because of the drugs he was on. Yeah, it, ironically enough, I'm looking at the bottom of his Wikipedia page, and under the C also, it is list of people who died on the toilet. There's a tab for that. It. <laughs> The reason that I never mock it is because I spend God knows how much time on mine. And <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so I will not mock anyone that that happens to. I refuse. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I've had some struggles on there. And you, ne- you never know when it's your last time. So, yeah, I, I, it, you know, you don't. You just don't. You just don't. Uh, but it was obviously a big day of mourning for because he's a well-known person and um to this day uh his birthday you know january 8th uh they a lot of your tv stations that play older stuff will play his movies and uh also on the day that he died they'll do the same thing top of the yeah. deal so uh that's how you know that uh you uh left and left a mark on society but that was the history of elvis presley uh obviously if you want an even more comprehensive one which i really recommend because he's very fascinating tom parker is very fascinating there's a lot of aspects that i didn't even get to touch on uh check out that documentary on hbo uh, max uh definitely recommend it all right but let's get into matt's stats well it's one for the money two for the show three to get ready now go get going but don't you step on my boots all righty let's hop into it there's a lot to talk about in this one we'll get through it as quickly as we possibly can so let's start off with uh record sales all right elvis presley it is estimated more than 1 billion Elvis Presley records have been sold worldwide. And there's another there's an aspect of that that I think is we're going to touch on in just a moment here. But all around, across the world, over 1 billion Elvis Presley records have been uh, sold. He had roughly 150 different albums and singles that have been certified gold, platinum, or multi-platinum. Uh, and 40% of Elvis Presley records have been sold outside of the United States. So there is that. Um, which is really interesting because of how massive he was internationally. Um, he never, outside of three shows in Canada, he never ever toured outside of the United States. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. That's, that's yeah. a massive <laughs> like surprise as to why he, you know, he's as big as he is. Yeah, um, I, that was country. one of my did you knows. My uh, apologies. No, you're fine. Uh, literally, forty percent of Elvis music sales was outside of the U.S. Yeah, and that is wild considering, like you said. He never performed outside of U.S. and Canada. That's as far as he went when it becomes actually performing music. Right. Yeah. And, you uh, know, did you did. hear why? Did you hear the rumor of why that was? I did not. No. All right. The rumor. Again, this is rumor uh, because Colonel Parker is a character that is shrouded in mystery. Honestly, we didn't find out a lot about him until much later. But uh, the rumor is he came to America not by the most legalist of terms. Oh. And he was afraid if he went out of the country for uh, for whatever he wouldn't be able to get back in <laughs> so that was a rumor as to why elvis didn't get to do many uh outside of the u.s projects that makes sense that makes sense that is uh, i i can believe that i can believe that um elvis had no less than 149 songs appear on the billboards hot 100 pop chart in america think which about is that. astounding 149 that. songs no less than it's, that is that is insane. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy. 114 were in the top 40, and 40 of his number ones uh, were in the top 10, and 18 went on to number one. His number one singles all time spent a total of 80 weeks. They, they spent a total of 80 weeks collectively at number one. Um, more than 90 Elvis Presley records reached the charts, with 10 of them reaching number one. And uh, 
he was a leading artist in, of course, American country, R&B, gospel, and, of course, his, you know, rock and roll. Um, TV appearances, we talked about that one, all right? Ed Sullivan, who once said that he would never, ever have a controversial singer on his top-rated show, uh, they had to pay Elvis $50,000 to make three appearances on his show. Which, you know, today sounds like, I mean, it's a lot of money to me, but for something like that, you would think, oh, that's nothing. But in the day, that was huge. That was big, big money. It's monstrous for three appearances. All right. That's that, you know, that's, that's easy. It gets even better though. After Elvis came back from the army, Frank Sinatra and company, you know, everybody else who, you know, support, you know, was part of putting on that show. They paid Elvis $125,000 to appear once made so pretty uh pretty astounding there on the silver screen elvis was he starred in 31 feature films all right uh whether as an actor or some of his concert documentaries um and uh yeah did really really you know obviously did really really well for themselves i'm going to touch up on those in just a moment um yeah, there's three Elvis TV specials on network television that were done very, very well. That are viewed in 40 countries and more than, by more than 1 billion people, which in 1968, 73, and 77, those are some out-of-this-world numbers um, when it comes to television viewership, especially as TV was just in its infancy years back then. Um, he also, uh, let's see. Grammy Awards, all right? He had 14 Grammy Award nominations. I believe he won three of them. I believe that's the, the statistic. So he was pretty big in uh, in that regard. There's also, I mean, just con- concert attendance records that he just broke, like, religiously. It was like believe, nothing for him. I believe that um, one of the Grammys that he won was for a uh, an album that was just... Uh, you know, songs that he would sing in church growing up and nobody wanted him to do that. And he forced them to let him do that album. And that's one of the ones he actually wanted Grammy for. Grammy for. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> yeah. Um, over his lifetime, 1100 concert performances, but uh, he sort of, he sold out Madison square garden four times, which is a, uh, which is a pretty spectacular uh, accomplishment knowing how yeah. historical and big you know, Madison square garden is selling it out once is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to do it four times, you're you're the man. Um, that actually might be where my uncle seen him at, maybe. Uh, and then he did uh, he did a, a big six show uh, concert in at the Astrodome in Houston, the world famous Astrodome. Um, played in front of about two hundred seven point five uh, five thousand people, so which is uh, you know pretty pretty big numbers at that time. Also, he had uh, he was really big in the charity thing. He actually helped popularize charity like through music, which is, you know, charity was this weird thing. But this is how good of a soul he was in 1961. He did a benefit concert uh, at the Block Arena in Hawaii that raised sixty five thousand dollars toward the building of the USS Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor. He did a lot. He loved Hawaii and he did a lot of stuff for Pearl Harbor especially he's yeah. the reason why I want to go to Hawaii someday. He's the reason why my mom aspired to go to Hawaii someday. It's because of stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, he, he did so much. He gave uh, he, he, every year, you know, he gave about a thousand bucks to at least 50 different Memphis area charities every single year. Um, and he helped popularize. I mean, you get like the, like, what was it? Was it, you know, you had the, 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 oh, what was the one queen did it. Uh, the big benefit concert. Was that in Africa or something with the. Uh, People want to say farm aid. And I know it's not right. No, it was like a band aid. It was some light live aid, something like that. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, that stuff was all because Elvis helped make it, made it cool and popular. And it was, it just helped his image out that much more. So that's, um that's some, uh, bare bones basics ones. I did have a couple more. His um, his best selling or no? We have the rankings in, with inflation. Okay, excuse me. So all of his movies done with, with the additional inflation. So sales, as far as that goes, Love Me Tender is his best selling movie with inflation, one hundred eighty three point nine. Um, 
million. Jailhouse Rock is number two. Loving You is three. Blue Hawaii is number four. GI Blues is number five. Viva Las Vegas is number six. Girls, Girls, Girls is number seven. Uh, Follow the Dream is number eight. Roustabout is number nine. And Fun in Acapulco is uh, is number 10. And there's um, a list of 15, 20 or so here. Top 20 Elvis movies. This is an article published in 2017. So the inflation numbers might be off a little bit, but you get the idea. The, the other clause. Yeah. Um, and then his best-selling albums. All right. This we'll close up with this. So um, we'll start off with number 10. We won't go in reverse orders. Number 10, his uh, debut album, the self-titled Elvis Presley in 1956. 1.3 million copies of that. Second one. A, another self-titled Elvis Presley album uh, from 1956, 1.3 million. Um, it contained uh, three Little Richard covers, uh, Long Tall Sally, Ready Teddy, and Rip It Up, and a reworking of the song uh, Paralyzed on it. And I believe, wow, he recorded this in only three days. Holy shnikes. Uh, <laughs> that is really, really good. Um Okay, number eight, G.I. Blues. So this one did really well. It was based off his um, his movie appearance. That did 1.3 million in sales. Oh, all right. Number seven was Moody Blue in 1977, 2.3 million. Um, two point, not dollars, but 2.3 million sales. Blue Hawaii comes in at number six from 1961 with 3 million sales. Number five, How Great Thou Art, 1967. This is that gospel one. Yep. Um, uh, 3.3 million sales of this re- that record. Um, number four, as recorded at Madison Square Garden. So this is like a live concert one. I personally can't get into live some of the live concert albums myself, but it did it did uh, it did really. Yeah, well. I'm kind of weird with that with any artist, even ones I really love. Yes, and I love Elvis. I don't know why. I don't know why I, that is. I feel I have to be really like in a mood to to. Yeah, appreciate like uh, you know they uh recently released that beatles one of uh them working on that one album and i know it's good everybody says it's good and i love the beatles i just haven't watched it right no it, yeah i just i can't do it can't do it um number three is elvis on tour from 1977 number two aloha from hawaii via satellite 1973 five million sold and the number one Elvis Presley album of all time, Elvis's Christmas album, 13 million copies sold. So there it is, everybody. That is uh, Matt's stats in a nutshell. Let's head on over to uh, Johnny's Did You Know? Thank you, Mr. Lawton, ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh, this is probably the greatest honor that I've ever had in my life. Uh, there's not much I can say except it really makes you feel good. And we want to thank you from the bottom of our heart. And now... When Elvis was born, he wasn't born alone, Matt. Uh, he actually was a twin uh jesse garen was also born but sadly didn't live very long and uh, was considered stillborn but that affected him elvis for for his whole life you know they say twins are really connected and he always felt he was connected to his brother uh, so that's you know that's really that wouldn't even that's one of those big what ifs right music a lot of things have big what ifs what if his brother had lived Right. Uh, two. I mean, you have two Elvises running around. That's scary. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. scary cool. Yeah. Uh, in 1957, when he was only 22 years old, Matt, this makes me feel really old and not very successful. Uh, he That's when he bought Graceland. He was only 22 when he buys Graceland. And he buys it for, uh, and this is a lot of money to me, but you got to remember, and at the time it was probably a lot of money, but it just seems like a paltry sum for Graceland because Graceland, by the way, is humongous. It's, uh, I have to, I really, really want to go see it someday. Uh, for $102,000. <sighs> and uh, it's basically 
uh, it was an old, it was old farmland at first. That's what it was. It was an old farm and it's named after the original owners of the farm. They had a daughter named Grace. So they named it Graceland. And when Elvis bought it, he just didn't change the name. He liked the name and just kept it. Uh, but he would make little changes to the property. And obviously today uh, you can go uh, and take tours. It's a really popular place still to this day. Uh, my mom went years ago and she still tells me stories about it. Uh, but it sounds really cool. And I've actually seen uh, videos of like, uh, you know, certain YouTubers, the ones who go around checking out different things, going yeah. to Graceland and checking stuff out. Uh, you can even uh, like you can tour everything from Graceland to uh, his private, some of his private jets and stuff like that. And it's really fascinating, honestly. What year was that? Did you say, or was it just an age that? Because I'm trying to inflation calculator it. Uh, 57, 1957. 1957. Okay. Yeah, hundred two thousand dollars in 1957. Uh, I yeah. want to know what this is. Uh one, one point two nine million. That makes sense, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. So, uh, uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson uh, would watch three network news channels at the same time he'd have three tv set up side by side each other and he would watch those elvis found this out and so he was like i want to do this as well and he built and i encourage you to find uh pictures of this he literally made a wall of tvs so he could watch multiple programs at the same time it's awesome it's really cool (laughs) (laughs) that's Uh, so cool he invented the man cave he Honestly, he kind of did. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, you know, I kind of mentioned it before. Uh, his manager, Colonel Tom Parker, has sort of a shrouded past. I mean, a lot of the stuff we didn't even find out about him until like the 80s stuff would come out about this guy. Uh, he was a, a former carnival barker. Like, that's one of the jobs he started out as. Uh, <laughs> but uh, a lot of weird stuff about this guy. I really hope the the new movie because that's who Tom Hanks is playing is this guy. I really hope they kind of dive into it. He's sort of a uh, love hate type of fella. Uh, oh, we already covered that, so I need to say that one. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's talk about the Ed Sullivan show. We sort of touched on it before, but let's really, really talk about it. Uh, you know, Matt alluded to this. Ed Sullivan said, and this was under pressure, that he would never, ever ever book elvis on his show he wouldn't do it and elvis was like okay so he goes on the steve allen show which at the time was uh, you know it's just like the tonight show you know it's like jay leno and and david letterman right there's the twos that were going against each other yeah and when he went on the steve allen show steve allen clobbered sullivan in the ratings like it wasn't even close and for whatever reason, I can't quite put my finger on it. Cha-ching, cha-ching, uh, cash register. Uh, <laughs> that change, something changed Ed's mind, you know. And all of a sudden, hey, we're going to pay him a lot of money for three appearances on our show. Uh, on September 9th, 1956, one of his appearances, his first appearance on a show. Think about this. Now, there were less channels, obviously, but still think about this. More than 80 percent of the tv viewing audience watched elvis on the ed sullivan show that's insane that is bonkers and to think it you know just the irony of him saying what he said you know it's crazy too because like ed sullivan was i think people remember ed sullivan a lot more than the other guy like i think ed sullivan's a lot a little bit more of a more popular name yeah and you know for this other guy to just smash him in the ratings that's that's impressive but yeah money talks money talks oh it most certainly does but that still didn't leave elvis from backlash of course uh famously i think it was in nashville and i want to say st louis and it goes to the two places where this became a story uh parents got together and would start burning elvis stuff <laughs> and would even like hang images of elvis uh, yeah. They were that angry about this. <laughs> they really thought they thought he was like the white devil. Yeah. Uh, and on top of that, uh, for his final appearance on the Ed Sullivan show, the network censors demanded that he be filmed from the waist up. We can't have those swiveling hips be shown across television. Yeah, that's the devil's work. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, that was one of those like early like 
when I, I look back at history, so, you know, I, I'm not very much in the religious thing. And I'm not crappy on anybody religious, but those are one of those things that it's like, oh, that's a bit of a reach. <laughs> yeah. Or as, as like, uh, as, as our, you know, anybody who's watched Guardians, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, when Gamora and Star Lord are listening to music together and she, she threatens them, I know about your pelvic sorcery. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's what i imagine that um yeah that the idea was there yeah uh and uh but you know uh elvis obviously compared to your stuff now elvis's stuff was incredibly tame <laughs> very tame he and, was uh, nothing. and you would feel silly if you were against this if you looked at it now his quote-unquote swiveling hips <laughs> uh the guy just couldn't stay still he just really got into the music that's basically what it was yeah he put on a show it was it was it was an experience like we talked about yeah uh in 1964 uh, let's talk a little bit more about his charity work and this is another thing he did in 1964 he bought the potomac and this was uh former president franklin d roosevelt's yacht he buys this thing and, but what he ends up doing with it is he ends up donating it to St. Jude's Children's Hospital, who would then sell it and make a lot of money for them. Uh, St. Jude's is one of those very, very awesome, in my opinion, charities. Yeah. Uh, but this boat or this yacht has a f- fascinating history, Matt, because it would actually go on to be uh, discovered uh, with a drug cartel who uh, oh. ended up with it and we're using it for quite some time but thankfully now you can actually go and tour this thing yeah, oh that's they, nice yeah uh, it's been cleaned up uh, i'm sure it's hard to find drugs on there now <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but that are just some of what are tons and tons of did you knows about elvis but let's get into where elvis stands in pop culture today So I face the final curtain, my friend. I'll say it clear. I'll state my case, of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I traveled each and every byway. Much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets. He's just a heavy influence on music, especially when you know uh, we have. A, if you become a music nerd, and a lot of people do, uh, you're going to look into Elvis. Uh, he's right up there with the Beatles. He's right up there. Uh, with you know uh, all these big names prince uh you know he's right up there with um oh gosh just name any big uh music star who was important to music and where we are today and uh the influence that he had i mean he he was so big that if he covered your song that people would start searching out that song right yeah, right right and that will lead to them discovering other artists. Uh, him and Johnny Cash kind of did that a lot. But, uh, man, you cannot talk about the history of music without his name coming up. He was just so huge. And it cannot be understated again just how over this guy was. You know, famously, you can find all these uh, videos of, uh, of, it's mostly teenage girls going crazy over the Beatles. When they showed up, he was screaming and passing out and stuff. Uh, they did the same thing for Elvis. And um, Elvis, you know, I always, you know, when I was younger and uh, the boy bands were coming up, like NSYNC and, and the Backstreet Boys, you know, like my sister and tons of other young kids were really into them and they were doing the same thing, going crazy. But I always felt, and this is my biasness, 100%. Those dudes are talented, obviously. I will not ever say Justin Timberlake isn't talented. That dude's talented. He's very talented. Yeah, there's no shame but, in saying that. But at the time, 
I was like, oh, these guys don't have anything, right? Like they're all, they're just made to be that. Uh, Elvis had talent. Elvis had presence. And uh, the, the, I think he would have eventually become what he became no matter what. I think it was kind of his destiny. Yeah. Is to, to be the, this icon that he became. And his life is filled with these what ifs. Now, what if his brother had survived? What if he had lived longer? What if he was able to kick the drug habit, you know, and all these things, you know, like 42 is young to lose somebody who had such a heavy influence in just, you know, 40 years on the earth is impressive. Just what he could have done with more time, uh, something that I, you know, he's one of those people that I think about like that, you know, uh, there's others, uh, you know, completely different type of person, but Chris Farley is another one that comes to my mind. Yeah. Somebody yeah. who died young. Who I was like, man, I really wish he'd been around longer just to see what he would have done. And Elvis is the same thing for me. Uh, so, uh, but Elvis also has a lot of fun there too. And all these conspiracy, he was so iconic that he has conspiracy theories about him. That's a, uh, my favorite one being, and I think it's home alone. I think it's the home alone movie. Um, is it the, you know, I'm about to say, Matt, I feel, I think I do. I think you're right. I think it is home alone. I think there's an airport scene and I believe it's in home alone where in the crowd, a lot of people claim like, you know, in the line for the, I'm gonna Google the it. ticket lines, uh, that Elvis is there. Yes, it is. It is home alone. Yes. When she, okay. there, let me, uh, do you mind if I read it really quick? Oh, please do. Okay. So Elvis Presley's been spotted alive many times since he died August, uh, 18th, 19th. 1977 and 84 he was photographed leaving a hospital with his friend muhammad ali allegedly um and then let's see yeah there's a scene to midway through the film where Catherine o'hara's character exhausted from unsuccessfully trying to get back to chicago to reach her son whom she forgot at home hence the title is bargaining with an airline employee over a ticket counter in a scranton airport and a bearded man in a sports coat and turtleneck hat hovers over her left shoulder occasionally expressing his impatience with his body language this man many believe is played by elvis um and of course the images aren't there but um they have a shot for shot thing and they they really truly believe it's i love it <laughs> it's him but yeah that's it that's that you you were right that was a good yeah. one i and i want those conspiracies that's one of the conspiracies i want to be true right i would i would love that if uh he just was tired of not being able to go outside and do things because of how famous he was and he was like i'm just gonna fake my death and how cool is that friend, but all his friends still know so <laughs> How cool is that, though? You get the king of rock and roll and Elvis Presley and the king of polka, uh, John Candy's character, in the same yeah, spot at one in time. In the same movie. In the same movie. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's kind of what I feel. He's always, always going to have a stamp on uh, pop culture and society and our society just because of his music and even his movies. What do you think, Matt? Um, yeah, I, I, I highly, you know, I, I agree with that. Like you said, his albums get released religiously still, even in this digital music age. Um, and he's still, uh, he's still a moneymaker. You hear the name Elvis Presley. It's, it's highly respected. Um, somebody has some kind of association with it, but you know, people, a lot of people, again, they draw their influence as far as being a performing artist, uh, like I, I think that was probably the phrase I was looking to say at the top of the show. He Elvis was the guy, the experience of going to see Elvis, right? He paved the way for the Michael Jacksons, the Princes, um, the Bruno Mars, uh, it, it, you know, Lady Gaga's a lot of a lot of the the talent that you know when you go to a concert, it's a show that you see to this day. That's Elvis Presley, and that's going to always continue, whether people realize that they got it from Elvis or not. Because now you can see a lot of newer people like, yeah, I had Michael Jackson, you know, this and that. And, and yes, Michael was amazing. But, you know, that performing art came from Elvis Presley. Uh, it, it, it'll, you know, never go away. Again, the impersonators, there's always going to be the Elvis impersonators. That's never going to go away. He's also one of the most, I, I think he's one of the most parodied, he, one of the most. I'm not saying he is the most, but one of the most parodied um, people often. There, there's, you know, a, even like back in the eighties, like Eddie Murphy had like an uh, Eddie or had an Eddie Murphy had an Elvis, imper, uh, you know, impression 
uh, in parody. And he's just, he's just always going to be that because of the way he carried himself, which was, you know, you life. know, you're, you know, you're an icon. If people can dress up like you and people automatically know who you're dressing up as. Correct. Without saying, you know, without you having to do much. So, um, Every vacation destination you go to, there's an Elvis impersonator walking around. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's really neat. It is really cool to see. Elvis is timeless and, uh, you know, definitely one of the best legacies. I did like your point, though, to imagine what it could have been if he had lived out his his full life. And, you know what I mean? He, he There's a chance. I know he would be close to 100 years old. He'd be like 85, 86 around this, around this current time period, roughly. But... You know, over the years of our existence, there's concerts, right? You were still getting Elvis concerts into the 2000s, maybe even, right? 90s and 2000s, which is like hard to imagine right now, but it's a very real possibility. If he, if he, you know, it was the great performer that he was, he would have found a way to reinvent himself the same way Johnny Cash did. So um, Elvis, yeah, Elvis is timeless, absolute timeless. Yeah, I would have really have loved for Elvis to have that comeback like Johnny Cash did. You know, those stripped down albums. Those are my favorite Johnny Cash albums. Those American ones, they're so, so good and feel so personal. And I do think that's something Elvis could have definitely done. And man, that was, those probably would have been mind blowing. But yeah. But uh, that's our episode on Elvis Presley. Matt, what are we going to cover next time on Retro Pop? So in two weeks, um, we're not looking we're sticking within our music genre. All right. Um, but we're not looking at like a specific singer or anything. And we've actually already touched on this person a little bit when we did our final fantasy episode. Uh, I'm talking about video game composer, not just video game composer, but an overall composer, but uh, Japanese uh, composer, Nobuo Uematsu, who created a lot of very iconic video game, you know, a lot, a lot of very iconic video game music back in uh, to this day even but uh you know he really helped immortalize the final fantasy series we're going to look at him his body of work and just how cool of a dude he is i'm really excited to deep dive into this man he is like he's just one of the most happiest go lucky guys ever and you know his his music just it oh it helped me love these games so much more and 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 many others like me so nabuo yometsu is who we're going to be covering on next retro pop. Looking forward to that very much. So it uh, gives me an excuse to listen to some great video game music. <laughs> like I need an excuse for that. Absolutely. But, uh, there you go. So uh, stay tuned for that in a couple of weeks. Uh, for Matt Johnson, I'm Johnny Townsend, and Retro Pop has left the building.